Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. As often is the case for Christians, we love to focus on God's word and we love to focus on God's gospel. And oftentimes we love to focus on the parts of God's word that are, well, exciting. Dare I say, dramatic. After all, you think through maybe your upbringing or your Sunday school lessons. We start in the beginning of the Bible and we look at creation, how God formed the word with just his word. Fast forward, we look at some of the wonderful miracles that God did. And just in our science camp a week ago, we looked at how he freed Israel from the captivity in Egypt. And he did it with wondrous signs, with the 10 plagues. Fast forward to the New Testament, we just spend a lot of time looking at the miracles that Jesus performed throughout his ministry that gave testimony to who he was, the true son of God. And of course, there's Easter. The fact that there is a miraculous bodily resurrection because Christ Jesus conquered death, rose from the grave. We spend a lot of time throughout the church year looking at Christmas and how Jesus came into the world. How? Through the birth of virgin birth. Today, we're not looking at something as exciting or miraculous as that. No, today we're looking at Luke's gospel, at the biography of Jesus, if you will, at one of the most commonplace things that Jesus did. And yet the impact, the impact that God's word here from Luke 10 has in our lives was anything but common. Luke chapter 10 begins in this way. Our lesson does. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. This is what's happening. Jesus is going to his friend's house. Back up a little bit. Who is this Martha? Well, you perhaps know Mary and Martha, and they have a brother named Lazarus. And this family is very close friends with Jesus. Fast forward a little bit. During Holy Week, Week, during the week of Jesus' death and resurrection, he stayed in Bethany. And many people believe that he stayed with his friends. So you think about just how close of friends they are that Jesus would choose during a time like that to stay with people he knew, people he loved, people who loved him. Lazarus, we're told in John chapter 11, is somebody whom Jesus loved. Lazarus and Jesus are friends. They're besties. Mary is not Mary, Jesus' mother. It's not Mary Magdalene. This is Mary from Bethany. This is Mary, the one who knew who Jesus was, the Christ. And so she did a wondrous act of faith and anointed Jesus' feet with perfume, wiping it with her own hair in order to prepare him for his burial. Jesus knew these people, and and these people knew Jesus. They were friends. They, they They were close to one another. They're 
getting together for a cookout. But this is Martha. Martha is the one who sent the text to Jesus and and said, come on over. And so you can picture it. It's a beautiful evening in that part of the world. It's hot out, but not humid like here in Virginia. It's the Mediterranean climate. And so they're getting together and the doorbell rings and then you hear those sounds. You hear the sounds of friends welcoming friends into their home. Hey, how's it going? As all 11, 12 disciples usher in. Mary's there greeting with her sister Martha. Yeah, some people are going out on the patio. Some people are reclining by the table. But everyone's just getting together with that buzz. You can picture it, right? The buzz that takes place when friends greet other friends. There's conversations happening. Peter's telling somebody about the time where Jesus calmed the storm and he walked on water. And then, well, I walked on water. And then everybody laughs when John points out that it was only three steps and then you fell in. And then off to the side. Off to the side, someone asked Jesus a question. One of those kind of deep questions about life and God's word. And what was really a private conversation, well, it soon turns into a group conversation because everyone's listening. Everyone stops their conversation and, and just starts to listen to what Jesus had to say. It was one of those conversations where, well, Time just passes. Nobody really knows what or how long time passed because everyone is wrapped to what Jesus' words are. They're on the edge of their seat, especially Mary. And that's where the problem occurs because she, that is Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you're young or old, I think we can all agree it's it's really special to have company come over. We we all enjoy that experience, right? And yet Martha knew there's lots to do. I mean, there's lots to do just to get the home ready. You have to sleep and clean the floors and you have to do all the dishes and put all the dishes away. You have to do all the laundry, fold all the laundry, put all the laundry away. And that's just the house. There's also the food. There's food to go buy. There's meals to plan. And then you have to make the food. And because it's summertime, you also have to mow the lawn. You guys know this. Everyone in the family needs to get involved with what's going on. And that's why the fact that Mary was just sitting there, well, it rubs Martha the wrong way. Yeah, she's listening to Jesus, but can you picture this? Imagine you're having people over and someone in your family just stops and decides that they're going to turn on YouTube and get caught up on maybe some of the sermons that they've missed. And they're just sitting there. How would you feel about that? Martha, decided she's going to do something. So what she does is this. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. To her credit, Martha goes to her Lord. 
She says, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, I know you can see this. This is a spiritual issue. Mary's lazy. So why don't, why don't you say something to her? Jesus, I know that you know how much work has to be done to have you and all the disciples over. Isn't, isn't Mary being a little selfish? Jesus, I, I think it would be a little bit better coming from you than me. I know we both love Mary, and I know how much you care about her. So don't you care? Don't you care that she's just leaving all of this work to me? It's to her credit that Martha went to her Lord. It's to her credit that Martha, she trusted that the Lord would take her side. But perhaps most significantly to us, most relevant to us, it's to the Lord's credit that he reacts the way he does to Martha. Do you catch this? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't jump down her throat. He doesn't take her to task. Note that. He gives her his care. He gives her his compassion. He speaks her name. Martha. Martha. It's because what the Lord says next is is something he wants to focus Martha's heart and soul on. And he wants us to be focused on this as well. It's our theme for today. I've mentioned it throughout worship, and it's this. It's that sitting before Jesus is better than serving for Jesus. Sitting before Jesus is better than serving for Jesus Let's just put it the way Jesus does. He said this, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of our Lord. Friends, listen. Listen, listen to these words from your Lord. He doesn't demonize Martha. He doesn't take what she is doing and condemn her for what she is doing. No, he doesn't denigrate her service for Jesus. But he does critique when she's doing it. In other words, the problem here is not what Martha is doing. The problem is not her service for Jesus. It's when she's doing it. That's what our Lord's getting at. It's that she has prioritized, or rather misprioritized, her service for Jesus in the place of sitting before Jesus and listening to his words. And the results? Well, the results are rather rather significant. It's that she's distracted by everything growing on. She's not focused. She's distracted. She's pulled in a hundred different directions. And the result of that, she's worried. 
She's worried and upset. She's worried and upset, not just about Mary, but about many things. So the Lord calls her back to just one thing. I need to say it again, because it's that important, that the Lord is not condemning her for what she's doing as something bad. In fact, what she's doing is, in fact, very, very good. But here's a lesson we need to take away. God does not need to, excuse me, let me back that up. The devil does not need to distract you from God by bad things. Now, very many times, he uses the good things. He uses the very, very good things. In fact, the good things that you do for Jesus, the very good things that you do for others in order to give glory to Jesus, he uses those to distract you. Here's the, here's, here's the question that we need to consider. How often aren't we guilty of doing things for Jesus, of doing things before Jesus? Hey, Jesus, look at me. Instead of, and in place of, and before, sitting before him. The truth is, we are not prepared on our own to serve him without him. In fact, we can't serve him or others without him, and yet we try. And what is the result? Like Martha, we're not focused singularly on what we have from the Lord, but we're distracted, pulled in many different directions, and our hearts become worried and upset. Here's the mistake that Martha made. It was not that she did some egregious sin. It's that she simply thought she was the host, that she was the host and Jesus was the guest. And so Jesus speaks to her. He speaks to her words of care and compassion to keep her focused on this truth, that it is better It is better to be sitting before Jesus than serving for Jesus. I suppose we have to ask her, why is that? Why is that actually better other than the fact that, well, because Jesus said so, or because my pastor said so. Why is it, in fact, better to be sitting before Jesus than serving for Jesus? Let's do this. Let's let's take a look at our lesson from Colossians. You can turn that way if you want and look at verses five. Jesus' Jesus' word says this, the faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Paul says, this is the foundation of your faith. Question, why is it better to be sitting before Jesus than serving for Jesus? It's because when you do, when you do that first, you're not pulled in a million directions. You're not worried and upset and anxious. In fact, you're filled with faith. You're filled with hope. You're filled with love. You're filled with the hope that you have for an eternal inheritance in heaven. That's what the gospel does. That is what Jesus speaks. And that is why sitting before Jesus is better 
than serving for Jesus. We can keep going in Colossians, verses nine and 10. Paul says this, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Question, do you want to live a life worthy of God? Well, yes, that's why you're here. Do you want to live a life in which you bear fruit in every good way? Yes, of course you do. But what needs to happen first? Sitting before Jesus is better than serving for him. In fact, sitting before Jesus is necessary in order to serve for him. Why? Because look it, he fills you up. He fills you up with everything that you need to go and do that. Knowledge, wisdom, that come from the Spirit. Why is it better to sit instead of serve? I don't know what Jesus told Mary and his disciples on that particular day, but I have a pretty good idea. It had to do with the work that Jesus was about. It had to do with his work of redemption. Paul prays that our hearts give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Why is it better to sit before Jesus than serve for Jesus? It is because, yes, he has called you to a life of service for him, but it is to know first that he has qualified you for that life. He has qualified you for that life and given you an inheritance of heaven. He has redeemed you from a dark way of living, from a distracted way of living, from a hopeless, anxious, worried, upset way of living. And he has brought you into his light. He has brought you into the kingdom of his life by giving you forgiveness. And here's the best part of all. All that, all that that is yours when you sit before Jesus instead of serve for him, it can't be taken from you. It cannot be taken from you. What is the one thing needed? It is him. It is Jesus sitting before him and receiving all that is his. And here's the best news of all. It cannot be taken from you. It's yours. Is it? That's how the story ends. Jesus says to Martha, 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 you're worried and upset. Mary's chosen that which is needed. It will not be taken from her. And it's done. I mean, the Bible goes on. Luke chapter 12 is next. And Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray the Lord's Prayer. What happened to Martha? I don't know. Does Martha sit, oh, you're right, Jesus, does she sit down and, and listen? Or does she kind of like storm off because Jesus doesn't help her out? Does Jesus sit, or excuse me, does Martha sit and listen to Jesus and, and say, hey guys, sorry, but dinner's gonna be a little later tonight. And everyone's like, it's okay, Martha, it's okay. 
or listening to Jesus? Or does she not? I don't know. Because that's how it ends. And it's purposeful. The Holy Spirit, who inspired all of Scripture, ended it that way. Why? Well, so that you and I see the beginning, the middle, of end of our story as that. One wonderful, beautiful reminder from our Lord to Matthew. That's it. Martha, Martha, just come and sit. So here's what I want to do. As we have remainder of our time, what I want to do is highlight four takeaways or, or four key lessons that Jesus in this very common story shares with us that or are anything but common. Here's the first takeaway or key application from this. We said our theme was this, sitting before Jesus is better than serving for Jesus. Number one is this, is that with this story, with this gospel lesson, Jesus keeps adults focused on the one thing needed. Why adults? Why, why Christian grown-ups? Well, let me put it this way. If you were to go and ask our kids who are in the way school what their favorite Bible story is, I'm guessing that none of them would say the story of Mary and Martha. Like, oh, I love the story about that worried, anxious, and upset woman that Jesus told to, you know, come and take a break. No. Now, if, if you were to ask my kids what their favorite Bible story is, I know what they would say. Those, again, those dramatic stories. My boys love the fall of Jericho, huge walls coming down. They love the story of David and Goliath, a huge giant coming down. I have a feeling they would probably be able to tell you about Jesus and the miraculous catch of fish. Jesus and all that he did for our salvation at Easter. But this story, I don't know if kids or adults would say that the story of Mary and Martha is their favorite Bible story, but let me ask you this. Could there be a more relevant story for adults living in 2022 in America? I mean, do I even have to ask how many of you have ever felt distracted, pulled, in more than one direction. It's all of us. All of us from time to time have experienced that. We've all experienced feeling anxious and upset. Not about just one thing, but probably many things. Here's the thing, we often believe that our Christian life is made up of this, that we look at what Jesus' word says and, oh no, I need to avoid the really bad sins. Let's stop for a moment and just assess the really good things that God has given us. He's given us jobs, given us jobs that keep us busy and have lots to do. He's given us friends and family with whom we, we always are, are looking through how we can spend time and, and do things with them. He's given us a, a wonderful community that is super active and, and we can always get involved there. He's blessed us with a Christian 
family, a Christian family that is always, well, having needs and having opportunities to serve. Friends, these are all really, really good things. And just as though Jesus did not denigrate or demonize the really good things that Martha was doing, it's also us. How many of these things distract us and pull us away? And yet here's the really great gospel gift that God gives us here. In this lesson, Jesus gives us, in the gospel, a tool to redirect our feelings and our emotions. Let me ask you this. When you, when you feel, when your heart feels worried and anxious and upset about all the things that have to get done, what do you do? So often, the thing that we really do most of all is double down on our efforts. I need to do more, and I need to do more, more efficiently, so that I can finally get to that place where I can kick my feet up and relax. When I feel anxious, when I feel worried, I, I got to get it done. I got to do more. What Jesus gives us in this is really a different way to think about those feelings. When you feel worried, when you feel anxious, when you feel upset, This is a reminder from your Savior to sit. Sit at my feet. Sit at my feet, for there you will find relief from all that upsets you, from all that pulls you. And there you will find me giving to you everything that you need. Jesus is saying to you, don't just do something, sit there. And here's the even wonderful part. He's saying, don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel guilty about hitting time out, stopping everything that you're doing to listen to God's word. That guilt, that you're not doing enough, that you're not getting something done. No, 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 no. You can be free to just sit at the feet of your Lord. Martin Luther, who was a very busy man, who wrote a lot of things, once said, I can't possibly get done all that I need to do without first praying to my Lord for three hours. Whether he actually did that or not every single day is not really the point, but here, here's the real point. What Christ is saying to you, the more that you need to do, the more that you need me, the more that you need me, to rely on me. That's the first one, that in this, Jesus keeps adults focused on the one thing needed. Here's the next. Jesus keeps the way church focused on the one thing needed. Can I tell you, friends, something? It was just this past week that somebody who is new to our church and I were talking, and I'm asking them about their experience coming to church, and, and they told me they love it. They love being here. And most of all, they love the people. And they said, the people are so nice. Not one of them. Not one of them, they said, has has been rude or sour. Everyone is just so nice and welcoming. And then they added a but. They said, everyone is so nice, but maybe a few people a little high strung. (laughs) And I said, oh, as I thought about this lesson of Mary and Martha, a few Marthas. I mean, What a gift. What a gift that in this church, we have, and I kid you not, some of the hardest working, most dedicated, most selfless serving people that I know, and they're all gathered together here. They're the type of people who look at what needs to get done in God's kingdom, and they just get after it. 
So here could not be a more applicable lesson for a church. What Jesus gives us in the story of Mary and Martha. The astute Christian might listen to this and say, well, Matt, this is a great lesson and all. We hear you. We hear what God's word says, but there are still things that need to get done. We still need to go and be the church. You'd be absolutely right. But remember, the problem here is not what Martha was doing. The issue is when she was doing it. She was doing it in a way that prioritized her service for Jesus over and above sitting before Jesus. When everything, when will it get done? How will we do it all? Here's Jesus' promise to you. Because it is better to be sitting before me than serving for me, what he promises is when you do that, you will find that your service to him isn't done or isn't just done away with or forgotten or shoved off to the side. No, but it still happens. And when you sit before him, he enlivens your service. He energizes you for service. So how does it happen? How does it happen that we sit before Lord? Well, here's the third one. Jesus keeps you focused on what's happening in worship with this. How many of you have ever heard worship referred to as a worship service? It's often something that Christians say is that when we go to church, we go to a worship service. Brings up the question, who's serving who? So often we think, well, at worship, I'm serving. And especially at a church where you have to set everything up. I am coming in on a serve team. I serve for playing worship. I serve for setting up tech, setting up chairs, setting up the kids area, the kids ministry. I come here and I serve by offering up my prayers, my voice for singing. I do these things. Let's back up. Because Jesus focuses us on what's really happening at worship. What's happening at worship is that the host with the most is coming to you and giving you all the goods. You and I sit at the feet of Jesus and from the beginning to the end of worship, what happens? Jesus serves you with his love. We start out our worship by receiving his forgiveness, by hearing his word and receiving from it all of the promises that he gives. In word and sermon and song, we reflect and meditate on the promises he gives. And then we celebrate his supper where he literally gives himself to you in service to you so that you have forgiveness, you have faith, and it is strengthened. And then we go and we serve. But here in worship, Christ focuses us on who is serving who. The really cool thing about this commonplace story in Jesus' life is that it shows that he just likes to hang out with friends. He likes to hang out with those that he loves. And in the same way that he came to the home of Martha, Jesus loves to come to your home. He loves to come to the home of your heart and there serve you serve you with all of his gifts. And here's the the fourth one. Jesus keeps you focused on that which will not be taken away from you. Here would be a tragedy. If you went home from church today with these words, with this message in your mind, 
that I need to be more like Mary, that I need to sit and study God's word more, that I need to be in church so much more, that I need to, you see what you can do there? You can take sitting before Jesus and you can turn it into something that you do for Jesus. Here's my prayer for you. That by the Holy Spirit, working through his word, you leave with the voice of Jesus in your mind. You hear him say your name, Martha, Martha. I have something to give to you. I want you to just sit here and hear all of my promises. I want you to hear how I have forgiven all of your sins. I want you to sit here and hear about how neither height nor depth nor nor nothing in all creation can separate you from me. I want you to know that in all things, I'm working for the good of you, your eternal good, so that you can be with me forever. I want you to know that I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you forever in heaven with me. And I want you to know most of all that none of that, none of that will be taken from you. That's what our Savior wants you to go home hearing. I tell you what, I am absolutely infatuated with this story. I still don't know if Mary and Martha would be listed as my favorite Bible story, but it's one I need because what God's word does for us here is it prepares us for what we go through in life. I also love the ending of this story. Like I said before, I don't know how this story ends. I don't know what Martha did, but did you know scripture gives us a clue? I'm giving you some homework. I would like you to go home and before you go to sleep tonight, read John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is the story of Jesus' bestie, Lazarus, dying. It's a story that you know probably because it has the shortest verse in all the Bible that Jesus wept, but there's so many other awesome details in that story about how Jesus goes to the funeral as his friend, not just to comfort those who are gathered there, but also to mourn, to grieve that someone had died, someone he loved had died. There's so many cool details that I wish I could share with you, but I'll leave that to you to go and read. But can I share just one to you? It's when Jesus entered Bethany again for the occasion of the funeral. You want to know who is the first to run out to him and greet him? It wasn't Mary. Can I read to you a little bit from John 11? When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know, I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am 
the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. You tell me, where do you get a peace like that? Where do you get a calm like that? Where do you get a confidence like that in the midst of a really challenging time? Your brother just died. Where do you get a faith that has a foundation like that, that can make a confession like this? I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Where do you get that? You know. It's from sitting before Jesus. Friends, I don't know what's going to happen in the next chapter of your story. I don't know what's going to happen this week, later today. I don't know what, what things in life are going to try to pull you in all sorts of directions. I don't know what is causing anxiousness in your life right now. I don't know if it's going to be the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of an opportunity that you really wanted. But I do know this, that when you sit before Jesus, he gives you exactly what you need. He prepares you for exactly what you will face. And guess what? it will not be taken away from you. Amen.